Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson. We're back here for another edition of the podcast. We're coming to you midweek following Oregon State's 42-17 win over San Jose State in week one. TJ and I will also be getting into the home opener against UC Davis this Saturday. Uh, Research Stadium fully renovated, fully done. Uh, it's going to be exciting atmosphere down 6 o'clock at Reeser on Saturday. Uh, I got a chance to check it out uh, this week when I went down, just kind of looking on the outside. And, TJ, when you and I went on that tour about a month ago now, maybe a little bit less, there were still some, like, construction pieces in place, like 98% done. I was walking by it the other day, uh, you know, walking back to my car, and it's done. It's fully it's done. done. There's There's no sign that, like – Anything still under construction, no more drying paint, nothing. It is fully done and ready. And I don't know about you, man, but I'm real excited. Hey, yeah, how exciting is it? And we were thinking about it. Not The weather's going to be great that day. It's going to be a sellout. The atmosphere is going to be festive. Like you said, it's shorts weather for the time we have to be outside, and then we mm-hmm. get to go sit in the brand new press box for the rest of it, which is going to be real nice and a, and a treat for us. It I'm is. looking forward to it. It's it's going to be a fun day on Sunday for us here at the station, starting a little bit earlier than you get down here. But it's really it's really going to be fun. I think people are going to be in a great mood with Oregon State Athletics and this football team playing as well as it possibly could have. And what better you couldn't have scripted a better start to the season than they had on Sunday. What a what a beatdown over a quality opponent. It it never seemed like the two teams should be playing on the same field. That's that's kind of the impression I got. Yeah, you know, uh, everything you said right there, spot on. And, you know, obviously, uh, I'm looking forward to it, TJ, because, uh, you know, it's been it's been a while since it's been a, a tailgating season. I always love to hop around and uh, say hello to our fellow Beaver's Edge subscribers, put a name to the face and all that good stuff. So it's going to be real exciting down there on Saturday. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to the San Jose State game, that's exactly what happened. I mean, you know, we didn't quite know what to expect. I mean, I think Oregon, you know, we, as TJ and I speaking here, uh, felt confident in Oregon State's chances regardless, kind of, you know, leading into this season. Then San Jose State put up 28 points on USC, and it was kind of close for like two, three quarters to where it wasn't like, hey, they just blew them out of the water. So I think that kind of heightened Oregon State's awareness a little bit. And the same San Jose State team that scored 28 on the road in week zero scores only 17 against Oregon state. And one of those is an excuse me, garbage time touchdown. And, and, you know, another was set up properly by the blocked punt. So, you know, when you really get down to it, TJ, was there really anything that was bad defensively other than maybe, I mean, what defensively speaking, as far as like, was there, I mean, other than maybe, you know, Trice Ivy got a few penalties, but as Jonathan Smith said on Monday when or Monday, yeah, sorry, my days are still blurring together this week. But on Monday when you and I were there, and he said, you know, that's his first game from the JUCO level, trying to figure out how aggressive he can be uh, on a weekly basis. So, you know, you take away that special teams blunder that led to points, and then you take away, um, you know, the uh, the garbage time touchdown. Oregon State played very well defensively in this game, and then uh, obviously offensively. You know, we started defensively. Uh, a lot to like about DJ. We're going to get into that. But the offense looked like a surgeon at work. Just precise incisions all over the field. When I look at the defense, the first takeaway I had when I was sitting here on my call-in show and I, and I was thinking about, like, the one thing I was looking to see, I was expecting more pressure out of the defense. But it sounded like the game plan was never to pressure Cordero. It was Correct. to occupy a space and sit while – 
as Trent Bray put it today, when we talked to him, squeeze the pocket a little bit more than it was pure putting pressure. Now, I think this week they'll have the opportunity to put much more pressure on the quarterback. The UC Davis quarterback does not run a whole lot. He's a pretty good passer, but he doesn't really, he's not a runner. He's got negative career rushing yards in college. So they're going to have a bit more of an opportunity with that against an FCS level offensive line this weekend. So look for that then. Yeah. But and besides again, that, but, but besides that, like the linebackers played well, the run defense was really good. The secondary again, despite the, for the most part, there wasn't like too much pressure on Cordero because they're just trying to keep him in the pocket. They held up pretty well. There were, you know, a couple penalties here and there, but Jaden Robinson balled out. The, the San Jose state wide receivers really weren't open at all down the field. N- not like, in terms of like the the group you're replacing the most snaps in there really was no 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 room for san jose state to operate down the field and 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 it helps you know the oregon state offense knowing that they had the the defense out there on the field which again I, i was honestly expecting more out of the oregon state defense in week one and they still had like you said essentially allowed about three points outside of garbage time yeah, I mean, again, it's it's you know, I, I just to me the game was you know we we wrote about it in our previews the game was never really in doubt and I kind of felt that you know or that Oregon State should show rather that the game was never going to be in doubt and I don't, and I think they did that perfectly like you know obviously defensively there were some questions there were guys in the secondary that were new there were some new pieces in the linebacking core uh, I thought Kelvin Hart Jr. played pretty well. Uh, obviously he went down with a bit of a stinger, but Jonathan said, you know, he's likely to be fine for this weekend. Uh, we'll have more on him in our injury report later this week, but uh, switching gears to the offense, Damian Martinez picked up right where he left off TJ. Not, not a whole lot of, uh, uh, you nope. know, it, it looks Doubt. like just continued uh, from where we were at the end of last season, that offensive line stacked and talented um, receivers got open, but by far and away, the most, you know, most impressive thing from Saturday was just how efficient DJ was. And I think just talking, you know, amongst, you know, Beaver fans or other media members, it, you know, it's been a long time since Oregon State's had a quarterback in that control. And from start to finish, he was just in command and it never, he never looked bothered other than one time where Damian Martinez missed a block on the edge and DJ got sacked and had a free rusher coming at him. But outside of that, TJ, almost flawless football. So you'd say the best unit was quarterback then in the offense on Sunday. Because running, here's how I was thinking about it. I was, I was trying to – yeah, I, I mean, I was trying to think what's the best what's the best unit on the field on, on Sunday like that played. Like Damian Martinez, you only got to average eight yards a clip. Like you cannot ask running backs to do any any more than that. Right. The offensive line was was just pancake. It was just such a mismatch in the trenches when they were doing that. So you think about okay, so the offensive line was like that. But then you look at DJ and he could not have had a better debut. You could have not scripted a better debut for for DJ. And I think the most important thing with that is okay so oh, oh by the way but like my pick for best unit was offensive line like mm-hmm. they're they're the best unit on the team i think we would both agree and they yeah played i don't like have any on sunday yeah, yeah right? no disagreements and, and that's I think really and that's really the engine ways. that's the engine behind both you know damian martinez and dju being able yeah. to operate efficiently is a good offensive line so that's what i tie that back to but regardless that doesn't take away from the effectiveness of damian or of dj i think the most positive thing we saw from dj 
on Sunday was the versatility they used him with. They said they were going to use him as a runner, but it was very fun to see the creative ways they used him as a runner. Think of the first drive, the first third down of the game, have to pick up these yards. And they just ran a quarterback draw. Or it was like it was a straight keeper the whole way, draw, keeper, however you want to draw it up, lead blocker in front of DJ, and he easily picks up the first down. Right. And then – Twice down at the goal line, they they really need to punch it in. Okay, well we have a two hundred fifty two pound quarterback. One time he's going in on a draw with Penelope Bloomfield with a, just right. a great pull and just leading the way as almost a almost a fullback in front of him. And DJ just walks in and then sneaking in as well. I mean that's what you want to see. I mean using his physical abilities to his best possible, I would say level. And then the passing game, man, accurate, efficient down the field, all things right. you wanted to see on that uh, on that three-man three rush, what, third down and 14 to Jeremiah Noga. Noga's not even supposed to be running a, a route that's going to get caught. Brian Lindgren said yesterday that of all the years he's called that play, that guy, the guy running the clear-out route yeah. straight down the middle of the field has never caught a touchdown <laughs> until then because yeah. DJ had so much time in the pocket, and Noga smartly goes right to the corner, and DJ with a perfect throw to hit him. Man, I was I was impressed passing wise what I saw from DJ. It's different to do it on the practice field and then go out under the lights and do it in a debut with a new school with high expectations. And he blew them all out of the water, all of them. Right. I mean, you know, no disrespect to the quarterbacks of the past, but it's just painfully clear how much more talented he is than, you know, the quarterbacks Oregon State's trotted out there probably the last, you know, decade or so. No, you know, disrespect to anybody along the way, but DJ's ceiling is just unbelievable. The He can make every throw on the field, and we tried our best to articulate that during fall camp because it just looked effortless. I mean, and it still does. I mean, you, you all saw with your own eyes when you could count to seven Mississippi on his throw to Jeremiah Noga. Seven Mississippi, folks. I mean, that is so long to throw. It's almost unheard of. And like TJ mentioned, you know, Jeremiah Noga on that very unique route, not something that typically happens on that play. But, you know, it's kind of funny, TJ, for I can't remember if it was an open practice, like to everyone, like a scrimmage or a closed one that we got a chance to see. But we saw that play to Jeremiah Noga a couple times in fall camp. He had linked up with Jeremiah Noga before, and that was good to see. And obviously, you know, uh, Jeremiah Noga and, um, you know, Zach Card getting into the mix at their receiver. Um, you know, the tight ends a little bit with Jack Belling and then obviously Silas Bold and Anthony Gould, nine different receivers. They spread the ball around uh, quite a bit. Yep. And then uh, last but certainly not least, the uh, the uh, cupcake of the day was getting Aiden Childs playing time down the stretch. Yeah, and it was, it was interesting. They chose him first yep. over Ben. Now, one thing I'm looking forward to this weekend, I think all three quarterbacks are playing this weekend against UC Davis. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they said they, you know – really liked what Childs offered want to put him in there. And I thought he looked good, right? And that throw, that throw what, that he was fading to his right. He ran up in the pocket, was running to his right, threw back across his body to Velling. The throw was just, I guess, a little late. and Velling had it swatted away. Otherwise, it would have been a spectacular touchdown. Regardless, they still walked down and, and punched the ball into the end zone. But that was really good to see, too. I was I was really, uh, really impressed with that. Like, back to GJ, I'm just thinking of, like, like one of the third downs, I think it was this throw went to Card or Josiah Irish. I can't remember, but they're you know they're on the far hash. It's like a third down and three, and they're passing on that down. And from the you know far left hash, DJ sitting in the pocket and throws a dart to the opposite sideline on the opposite hash. Yeah, like, uh, the I think that was, yeah, like, was Irish. That's, yeah. that's a that's a really hard pass to make. 
you need a lot of arm strength to do that. And, you know, Ben's probably not, no offense to Ben. He's not, not, well, not all the time making, not making that throw all the time. He's not, and they're probably not calling that, not giving him that option to throw that. So that's just like another aspect of DJ where it's just like, wow. I mean, and, he, you know, go, going back, going back to that, you know, I think Oregon state found their stride last year, TJ. And, you know, I think Brian Lindgren being the smart offensive coordinator that he is, he took some things out of the playbook last year when Ben, you know, and, and you could tell as the year went on, they simplified things, you know, case in point, uh, Hey, Oregon, remember how many runs in a row Oregon state had against you, but you know, I digress, you know, they, 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 um, you know, it, it was tweaked a little bit. And that's where I said, other than Jake Luton, who I think could rival as far as the arm strength and, you know, it's like, you know, at least be kind of in the same breath, but Jake didn't offer you nearly as much as the runner as DJ does, even though they, you know, Jake was six foot six and DJ was six foot four, uh, but very different body types, very different quarterbacks. So, you know, with all that, I, I really do think that for the first time in Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren's tenure, TJ, the entire playbook is up for grabs. And I, and, you know, that might be something we have to ask them in the, in the coming, you know, interviews and whatnot, but it really seems to me like they're going to be able to open up and do things that they really haven't been able to do before. And I, I was pleased that they did open it up a little bit week one. I mean, they could hold a lot of those cards close to their chest right. throughout the non-conference three games. You're definitely supposed to win. You're going to be favored by double digits. If like multiple touchdowns in all three games, so you don't have to, but I mean, we still saw some creativity with the DJ runs. We didn't right. see any like read act, uh, read option, which might happen. Mm-hmm. They might do that. I mean, they yeah. were operating DJ out of the, out of the shotgun quite often. And it would be pretty easy for them to do that if they really felt like they needed to do that. Um, but otherwise, I mean, all the running aspects with DJ, I think we saw a flavor of them at the very least, which yeah. was, which is good for us that we get to see. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at it, you know, he, he really does seem like he's going to be the Jack Coletto, you know, kind of de facto number one replacement. I mean, you look at his size and, you know, uh, the couple times, like you said, they pushed him in. I mean, five total touchdowns for DJ against San Jose State. He had one such game in three seasons at Clemson. So yeah. I just, you know, and and going, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Dabo uh, wishing he didn't run DJ <laughs> out of town. Yeah, I was say hot seat Dabo Sweeney. Was uh, uh, I mean, I think he took a flight to Corvallis ter- after to apologize. They looked terrible. Klubnik looked terrible. So it's like if. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe Duke turns out to be good this year. I mean, every 20 years, Duke comes up with a halfway decent football team. But, you know, it's um, – I, I don't think they're going to be world beaters this year, TJ. So no, it doesn't look like uh, it. And they've already so, lost, which is not – doesn't help. And are they going to be Florida State? I mean, Florida State looked pretty good. So Yeah, no, I mean, I just – I think, you know, I, it's, a, it's a lazy example just to be like – you know, DJ is going to be the the Michael Penix of this year or the Bo Nix of this year or the Caleb Williams of this year, right? As far as just a transfer coming in, not even so much Caleb Williams because he was six, extremely successful at Oklahoma. But the other two guys that I mentioned, you know, Michael Penix left a situation in Indiana that wasn't super great for him. Obviously, Nick's down there in Auburn going up to Oregon after not having a great situation. And I think DJ is maybe the next line of that where it's like things didn't quite work out at Clemson I felt like he was kind of the scapegoat based on everything I was reading the offseason was you know this guy you know DJ was holding them back or you know the offense wasn't as efficient as it needed to be and 
the reality of it is, TJ, I think Oregon State's very pleased to have DJ. And I think DJ is going to do great things here. And I think he will thrive in this system where there's a lot less uh, of that. But the problem at Clemson right now, they keep trying to find Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. And those were two of the most elite college quarterbacks in the last 15 years. And ho-hum, both of them are still playing on Sundays for millions and millions of dollars. Right. Right. And, I mean, this isn't a Clemson podcast, so we're not going to dive into the fact that Dabo Sweeney completely ignores the transfer portal and refuses. He does. Refuses to use it, which is another reason why they probably aren't all that successful. And that quote he gave on the offense after, it was like, well, actually, we we let Garrett Riley run the Clemson offense, not Garrett Riley's offense. Like, oh, why'd you hire him? Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oops. But no, it's, but, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it was, it's, it's entertaining because, you know, I, I'm sure uh, we talked about it a little bit on the radio show this week, TJ, what, what, um, what I wouldn't have given to been a fly on the wall in DJ's living room when he was watching that game Monday night, because I, I have a feeling that there's a mutual respect for his teammates that are still there, but I bet there's a part of him that's like, you know, if they lose, not the worst thing. He's such a nice dude, though. I know. I don't know if he'd ever even let those words leave his mouth. I don't even know if it probably would be a true. private you're, setting, you're probably... too. Because he's yeah. he, he like seems like the most down to earth, humble person like that there is. And it's like no ill will here, there, whatever. I mean, whatever goes on like in his brain, maybe perhaps. But right, you're, yeah. I mean, he's, you're right. You're, you're you're and and you are too. I mean, like I said, I've I've covered Oregon State football since 2014, and as far as well spoken and humble with the talent. The only player that comes in, 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 you know, he even preceded me by a couple years. The only player that comes to mind for me is Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, you knew from day one when he stepped on this campus, this dude's going to the NFL. He, he's going to be a stud. And it was, you know, even, even now, just extreme humility from Brandon Cooks. And I get the same kind of vibe from DJ. I mean, just very well-raised young man and, you know, says all the right things. And, and I just love talking to him. Uh, he's he's just a, a great dude. And TJ, even back in fall camp, like, when he took that time after a very long and hot practice in August, just to be like, hi, I'm DJ and introduce and chit chat and all those things with us media. That was cool, you know, and and it really shows his character to me. So yeah, finishing that point on DJ, not only is he a great quarterback, he's a great person in my opinion too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What are we looking for this week? Now we've gotten a week of Oregon state football to digest. Oregon state will probably win on Sunday by or Saturday by 40. We're oh, guessing. are you getting us ready for another Sunday game, TJ? You just want to move? Yeah. So instead of <laughs> we got week one of the NFL, I can't be yeah. doing that. That would be a disservice. So does, so does that mean Oregon State can just conference expand into the NFL schedule? That I mean, like <laughs> throw them at the, the one o'clock slate on CBS. <laughs> hey, hey, man, you know, I, I'm, I'm open minded <laughs> to how we're going to get this figured out. But uh, yeah, and then also to add to your point uh, there, the middle is we're previewing this game. Uh, Beavers moved up two spots in the AP poll this week. Now check in at number 16. Uh, you know, based on the fact that I don't think they're going to stumble in non-conference, TJ, they could get a little higher if a few teams above uh, continue to, uh, you know, cannibalize themselves a little bit. Yeah, and I think that now Pac-12 opener, if we're just looking ahead at Washington State's looking very interesting. The Cougs looked pretty yes, good last week on the road at, uh, at Colorado did, did. State. They put up over 50 points. So that's not going to be – not going to be no cakewalk on the road. So I think that's no. interesting. And that's why I think these next two games are important for really getting getting all those kinks out of the way. Because, I mean, once Pac-12 season starts, 
I mean, buckle your bootstraps up. Every single team in the conference looked good last week. Yeah. Every single one of them did. So How about Dion? now your quote unquote now your quote unquote easy games. Um, I don't have the schedule up. I can. Yeah, I mean, we thought it was Colorado. Here. Look at Dion. Yeah, I thought it was Colorado, but that's gonna that doesn't look like an easy game anymore. I mentioned to you after. I said the Vegas line on that game went 10 points in Colorado's direction as soon as that game finished in TCU for Oregon State. If you thought preseason, that line might have been, what, 14 points? Yeah. How the two teams are? I mean, it's probably down to, like, four or closer to a pickup now. Yeah, I mean, I still think I still think Oregon good. State's – Yeah, I think they're going to – You know, I still think Stanford is not going to be all that great this year. Um, I think that Cal is not going to be all that great this year. Uh, I don't think – Arizona State's going to be all that great this year. Uh, I don't. I think Arizona, Washington State are a little bit more middling. Don't know what to expect out of UCLA. Coastal Carolina is not a complete sample size for me. Um, you know, I, I still think there are five elite teams, and that's Oregon, Washington, right. Utah, uh, Oregon State, and SC. And until otherwise, I think those are still the five to beat and the five to have a shot to win the conference. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said – Previously, TJ and I kind of thought San Jose State was the marquee test of the non-conference. You know, you could make an argument for San Diego State depending on, you know, uh, the time of day and whatnot. But San Diego State didn't look particularly impressive in their week one win. So I do think Oregon State pretty much passed the first major test and the biggest test of non-conference. And as TJ mentioned, they're going to play a UC Davis team. You know, uh, for Beaver fans to kind of get a perspective on this, I want to jump back last season. Let's go back to Montana State at Providence Park. Montana State last year was one of the all-time, like not all, but just like in the last few years, elite FCS teams, right? I think they lost one game, maybe two when they got to the championship, because I don't believe they won the championship. And one of those losses was to Oregon State. That game, you know, if memory serves, Montana State scored, you know, 20-some points in Oregon State, I think. 68-28. Good call. So I didn't, yeah, so Oregon State did put up 68. So, I don't even think it'll be that kind of a game, A, because Oregon State's not on a neutral site, and B, because UC Davis, they, they're not going to win the Big Sky this year. UC Davis is a middling Big Sky team, and in that regard, you know, no disrespect to the Aggies, it, it's a it's a perfect sacrificial lamb to the opening, opening weekend of Reeser Stadium, TJ. Like, a lot of things could go wrong and you would still walk away with a very comfortable win. So not to say that they're not going to show up, but I think Oregon State will be able to, to, to an extent, you know, work on some things. You mentioned to me before we got this video started is we're recording on a Wednesday and you were talking to Trent Bray earlier. Will they open up the depth chart beyond just the two deep, right? Will, um, you know, we see all three quarterbacks. Um, will we get to see, you know, the Beavers, you know, Jonathan Smith got asked on Monday. Will you guys just take a minute to take it all in now that the stadium's done? I imagine there'll be a guy or two who, you know, gets a little dazed looking across at the new uh, the new digs and they're like, like, wow, man, look look at that. So all that to say, you know, I think Oregon State, you know, could kind of win this game with one hand tied behind their back, TJ. Yeah, and the things I really kind of want to see on Saturday is, like, clean special teams. The problem is, yep. like, you're like, okay, I'd like to execute some few punts. Well, how many times the Beavers going to punt on Saturday? Maybe once. Could be rare. Could be rare. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, that might have to wait a week. And then it's like, okay, kicking field goals. And then you're asking, like, well, how many field goals are they going to kick on Sunday, too? They might right. just score a bunch of touchdowns. Because that's what you want to see. That was the one thing I was curious to see that I don't think we really got to see on Sunday against San Jose State. We didn't see any field goals. 
Atticus right. Abington made all of his extra points, and that was fine. Jonathan said on that fourth down on the plus 24, they would have been okay going – they would have been okay right. kicking it or uh, or going for it, and they ended up just going for it instead. So that range right there is 41 yards. That's a 41-yard field goal from that spot on the field. We um, saw Atticus, Atticus hit, hit that. We saw him hit that in fall camp. Yeah. So, like, that's really the only question I have. No one asked him this week, I realized, if ever Hayes, however Hayes is doing. Still don't know, like, where he's at, how how hurt he is. If um, I were to guess, TJ, they – and, again, this the, this may be foolish thinking, but if I were to guess, just in old Brendan Slaughter's brain here, they're like, Everett, take off non-conference. We'll check in right before the Washington State game. And I, but at the same token, I also think that's maybe not giving Atticus Sappington his credit because while Jonathan did say that Everett's injury played a part in Sappington winning the job, there's not an or listed on that depth chart. So if Everett comes back, does he automatically get his starting spot back? If ever if Atticus has hit, let's just say two field goals and made all his extra points in non-conference, but because I, I really don't expect they'll need to kick a whole lot in non-conference. No, but eventually they might need a 50-yarder. Yeah. No, I, I wholeheartedly believe they will in conference play. So how do you handle that? Because, you know, we talked about it last year. You talked to Everett earlier this fall camp where he said his groin injury last year impacted his confidence. Same injury. Yep, same injury. Same time, too. So, and if Savington's kicking well, they might just not, and they – if right. Everett's completely healthy, they might only bring him out there for long field goals. And that's right. it. Like, that's what they so, feel like. I mean, that's not unheard of. Colleges do that all the time. They have it's two true. Kickers. And I think, yeah, and I think it's entirely possible. Like, if if I were to guess, we probably won't hear a whole lot on Everett Hayes until conference opener week. That week, we could maybe see some movement on the depth chart. But based on what they did with him last year when he had that groin injury, they just kind of shut him down for like a month and like rechecked in. So, Given that that injury happened, what the last week of fall camp or the second yep. to last week? It was last. That week. would be it. Yep. So that would be about a month. So I, I would say we'll check in Washington State and see what's up with Atticus there, but or excuse me, with with Everett there. But in the meantime, I think Atticus is there. Do I have confidence in Atticus kicking over forty five? Hard to say. I, I'd say it's it's probably a coin toss. Um, TJ and I saw you know he's got a few distance limitations. But he seems to be the more accurate of the two. So, you know, it, it will be interesting. I, I imagine the Beavers will continue to be aggressive. But like TJ said, I doubt there's going to be a ton of opportunities for field goals. And as you mentioned, the punt, you know, TJ, that was the first punt, I think, in two or three years. I'm trying to remember how many years off the top of my head Luke Losher played that Luke Losher did not handle and kick in live in-game action. So. Right. You know, and then you think about it and, you know, maybe you saw a little bit more than me. We overlapped on practices. They didn't work on a whole lot of full live speed punting in fall camp, at least with my own two eyes when I was there. Uh, It it wasn't – they did kind of like some go through the motions but not kick, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was mostly – like I didn't hear any – like Jonathan mentioned it was more blocking than it was on Josh Green, so – Agreed, agreed. And I was trying to to rewatch it, and I I forget who's standing there blocking at at the front line, but I don't think they were exactly lined up in the right spot, and that seemed like the main thing. And that's pretty important because, you know, punt blocked while you're up four touchdowns against San Jose State is different than in a tie game on the road against Washington State in a Pac-12 opener. 
Right. So you, you're gonna gonna need to figure out that out, but that won't get figured out this weekend, I doubt. Another thing I'm curious about, as we noticed against San Jose State, is like the the kickoff situation. They San Jose State had zero interest in kicking to Anthony Gould mm-hmm. on punts or kicking yeah. to Silas Bolden on kickoffs. They squibbed it. They would pop it up. They would kick it short. They do all these different things. And a couple of times they tried onside kicks and didn't look like the Beavers were totally lined up. Jonathan said they were prepared for it and they were, they were expecting that, but they didn't, it it wasn't, I would say a clean, uh, a clean reception of those. There's one time where uh, I think it was Zach Carter was back there on the back line with the ball off his fingertips and the ball like ended up a yard away from a a San Jose state defender. So I think that's another curious thing on, on special teams. It was not a, not a perfect special teams day. No, no. And I think that's definitely, you know, that's maybe one of the things that gets cleaned up from week one to week two, maybe just in practice. I mean, we don't get to watch practices, you know, now TJ, they may have worked on punting for 45 minutes. You know, you you never know after that. And, you know, um, obviously Jake cook is, you know, a solid special teams coordinator. So I expect he'll get that uh, dialed in and worked out, but Again, another thing going back to the San Jose State game and something that leans into this week is just I'm curious to see how many guys are going to play in this game. Uh, TJ, I was pleasantly surprised. And again, uh, awesome resource that we have at BeaversEdge.com is our snap counts that we get from Pro Football Focus each week. Breaks down who played, what position, and where. And you'd be surprised, folks. If you're watching a game on TV, you might think, oh, I saw so-and-so play, but I didn't know he played that many snaps or didn't play you know, that little snaps. So, like, for instance, you know, um, I was telling TJ before we jumped on, you know, a couple guys that I didn't really get to notice that got into the game were, uh, you know, uh, I didn't, I don't really remember seeing Alton Julian out there, but he got out there for 10 snaps. And, you know, that's a great sign to see as he kind of ramps up and gets going here in the next couple weeks. Uh, and then obviously seeing some, some guys make their debuts, you know, some guys just took one snap, two, um, some new offensive linemen very cool thing and you know i expect that list is going to expand even bigger this week tj because um unlike some other teams in the state i think the dogs will be called off very early (laughs) Uh, yeah i think so too i don't think oregon a little little cough in my throat there sorry i gotta say it is kind of impressive getting 81 with the new clock rules it's almost more difficult I, again, just the, the arrogance is just blinding. The arrogance and narcissism is blinding. But, yes, continue, please, DJ. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I said 48. Wait, do, you th- do, you think, do you think they scored 81 because they heard all offseason that someone ran the ball on them like 14 times in a row? Perhaps, yeah. I, I mean, it was maybe a little frustration though, there, like jealousy. Vegas put, out, Vegas put out a line for them. I think the line was, what, 48? But I don't think Oregon State gets a line this weekend. <laughs> I, I haven't seen anything. No, and I haven't either. But, no, I mean, I, I expect Oregon State to be in the 50s in this game. I expect Davis to get one, maybe two scores tops. I mean, I, I really think it could be a 7-10 to 10 type of point outing for them. And, again, I think Oregon State's going to have a lot of opportunity to really fine-tune things. I mean, again – uh, you kind of, the way that non-conference schedule is smashed this year, you got a Mountain West, a middle to upper Mountain West team in the beginning, and then a Mountain West team at the end that is notoriously, you know, tough against Pac-12 teams. And they haven't beat one in a couple years, but I go back to a couple uh, a couple years ago when Utah won the conference the first time, they lost to San Diego State in non-conference. So, you know, San Diego State's one of those teams that's always really sneaky and really, you know, prepared for Pac-12 teams. Beavers might have caught them on a good year where they're not going to be as competitive as they normally are. But this is your game to, 
you know, not open up the playbook, but try some things. As TJ mentioned, you're going to get Aiden Childs in there. You're going to get Ben in there. Uh, you're going to make sure nobody is gassed. You're going to make sure nobody's overworked. Um, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of Isaiah Newell in this game. TJ, would it surprise you to see, uh, you know, uh, Gavin Haynes or Jake Reichel in this game at running? Back? No, and I was, I was honestly kind of surprised we didn't see that much Isaiah Newell in, in Sunday. To be honest, it was uh, yeah, mostly strictly yeah. Damian or and then Deshaun Fenwick straight after a clear one too. Right, and that was one of the things I asked Jonathan about on Monday, and he was kind of like, "Yeah, Damian was hot, so we're we're gonna roll with him." And you know, I I, I don't blame him. You know, Damian was just finding holes with ease. You know, eight point one yards per carry is pretty good, DJ. Not uh, yeah, <laughs> that's not too shabby. But um, you know, I, I expect that there, and then defensively. TJ and I prelude, uh, previewed it earlier in the podcast. I expect the defensive line to really get after Miles Hastings, the uh, uh, Aggies quarterback, as we uh, as we noted. Very different style from Shevin Cordero. Cordero was a guy who could hurt you with his arm and his legs. Miles Hastings, not that way at all. He is a zero-sum threat to run the ball. So I imagine that Oregon State is going to be pinning their ears back and really trying to tally some sacks, some negative plays, tackles for loss, all those things. And um, then – that should allow the secondary and linebackers to kind of be able to feast. I mean, I think we saw a lot of what we wanted to see from that group. We kind of talked about it earlier, but this is a really good fine-tuning opponent. And uh, last but not least, TJ, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere at Research Stadium. And I think above all else, you know, a, a 6 o'clock game isn't always the most ideal time. But in September, when it's going to be shorts weather and a brand-new stadium, and then, oh, ho-hum, a game that – Probably is going to be over at the end of the first quarter, maybe halftime if it lingers that long. That's a pretty good treat for Oregon State fans uh, on Saturday night, I would say. It's going to be relaxing. There's going to be a lot of people using Beaver Street on yes. Saturday, I would say. It's going to be a good game to use it and just relax. Yes, it's going to be relax fun. Relax a little bit. Take a, and, take take the load of the week off. But I'm looking forward to it. It should be it should be awesome. It's going to be a salad. It's going to be packed. Yeah, so, if, if any of you – Looking if forward any of you to all, it. Yeah, if any of y'all listening uh, see TJ and I uh, in our journeys across the stadium on Saturday, tap us on the shoulder, say hi, we'll say what's up. We'd love to uh, chit-chat with you guys. And as always, uh, make sure to uh, head on over to beaversedge.com and catch TJ on the radio at 1240 Joe Radio there in Corvallis. So uh, without further ado, that'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Edge Podcast. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, again, Oregon State gets the win over San Jose State 42-17 last week. They go to 1-0. Now up to 16th in the country and take on UC Davis at Research Stadium Saturday night at 6 o'clock. A big shout out to TJ Matthewson for joining me on this edition of the podcast. And as always, the best co-host anyone could ask for here on the Edge podcast. So we'll be back next week, folks. We'll be breaking down uh, the matchup with UC Davis, how that game uh, ultimately uh, unfolded. And then previewing the final non-conference game of the year, San Diego State going to be on the horizon next weekend. So Back-to-back September home games for you, uh, Oregon State fans. Going to be great weather, uh, two good weekends in a row, so definitely get out to Reister Stadium and check out the new digs. Uh, I know TJ and I are very excited. So, again, uh, big thanks to everyone listening. Make sure to check out beaversedge.com. We've got a whole bunch of content, uh, free 30-day promo rocking right now for anyone who wants to see some of our premium content. Uh, go ahead and head over to the front page and check that out. Uh, big thanks again for everyone listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week here on the Edge Podcast.